What's up, guys? Welcome back. It's 10 Minutes of Modern here on Anchor, chatting with you guys daily about the best game in the world, Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Ben Bateman, coming to you on a Tuesday night talking about modern things. Uh, Alex and I today on the podcast, the Collective.Company podcast, The Masters of Modern, which this is the official anchor station of, uh, we recorded a whole episode on the finance aspect to modern right now the current financial state, why it's cheaper than it's ever been, and should you buy in. So um, I will give you a little bit of a preview of that episode right now as I will talk about those subjects. Uh, before I do get fully into it, I do want to remind anybody hearing this, if you're listening to this on Facebook, I say this every time, guys, but I want you to understand if you download the app, Anchor.fm, and you favor the station, uh, even call in sometimes, the app will show that there's a listener who has the app on their phone. And that is what keeps this app going. I mean, the whole structure of investors to creator to employees to content creators, that's kind of the trickle down. So we have to show that. So if you guys want to keep this free content going, um, obviously, we have this cool contest. We're giving away foil staples right now. That's all driven by the fact that a lot of you are listening and doing this. So please do it. Uh, and let's keep talking to modern. So modern cheaper than it's ever been. Why? Well, the short answer to that is we have six modern, six master sets in the course of five years, four years. Um, including one that just released, and some cards have seen a number of printings. So you have cards that are, you know, perennially expensive. So Tarmogoyf, Snapcaster Mage, Liliana of the Veil, Noble Hierarch, um, some of the Fetchlands currently Scalding Tarns up there. Uh, the, most of those cards I just mentioned have been 40, 50, 60 or more dollars for a very long time. They haven't really been cheaper than that forever, and that's just sort of part of it. The second part, is that you have cards that are abnormally high right now based on a lack of reprints so and, and a high demand. So that's cards like Chalice of the Void. That's going to be cards like Engineered Explosives. I'd say Through the Breaches like that. Uh, these are cards, you know, Celestial Colonnade. They're 40 bucks, 50, 60, 80 bucks. And, and then they don't need to be because there's not enough decks that are demanding to play four ofs. And then lastly, you have the stable cards, the cards that have just kind of stayed around the same price for a long time. And that's because no matter what happens with reprints on these staples, they're such ubiquitous cards in every modern format that retailers won't really lower their prices. So a good a good example is Path to Exile at seven bucks. Well, Path to Exile at seven dollars, it's a few dollars off where it's been. Remand is five. It's a few, you know, uh, Lightning Helix is five or six. Those are kind of the prices that a lot of these uncommons have lived. And and as four ofs in a lot of decks, that's where you want them to live. So those are kind of the levels. Now the short answer to the question: Should you buy into modern? There are certain cards that it's worth buying into. If you think about Magic's secondary economy, this bubble that we've been in for such a long time, well, it's survived 25 years. So Magic's been around 25 years, and the secondary economy started within the second year. So if you look at Modern's history, Legacy's history, Standard's history, there's always cards that are more expensive. Some of them that you predict will lose their value, right? There are standard cards that just lose their value. And even ones like Lotus Corp that you would think in your mind, yeah, yeah, you know, that card, that, that was a standard staple. It was very expensive. It'll, it'll continue to hold value. Even a card like that, it's, it's not totally accurate. And it's because it's not played as a four of in necessarily enough decks. And it's seen enough reprintings that it's just kind of not quite there. It's like, even, even though, you know, in our minds, we think Lotus Cobra, that card's like people love it. People want to play it in, in eternal formats with, you know, a couple reprintings. It's, it's now it's an iconic masters currently. Maybe that's the only reprinting. Um, it's just one of those cards that it, it never spiked into the 50, $60 range. So should you buy in? There's a different answer for different parts of the format. 
The base of the format is its lands. And I mean its shock lands and its fetch lands. Shocks have been printed very aggressively, while fetches have not printed not have have not been printed nearly as aggressively. But I would say those are the 10 building block cards for modern. If you want to get into modern, 50% of your deck cost for the most part will go to fetches and shocks. That's just how 60 or 70% of modern has kind of worked. Even a deck as simple as burn, it wants to be able to play the complex the complex mana base, which is why mono red decks turned into Naya decks or sometimes in some cases Jun decks. Um, the mid-range decks are all that way. So the mana base is where you start. And should you buy in? Yes, in some cases. I'm going to give a full breakdown of what to buy and what not to buy in the episode coming up in just a second. So listen on the Anchor app. Uh, part two is coming right up. Favorite the station if you like what you're hearing. Ben Baby Media on Twitter and, and uh, listen to the full episode this week. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. So where were we, guys? Well... If you're looking at the fetch lands and the shock lands as the base of modern, oh, by the way, guys, if you're hearing this as the first segment, I'm talking about modern being cheaper than ever, and is it a good time to buy in? If so, what should you buy? So answering that question now, you can hear a full episode of that on Collected.Company on the Masters of Modern podcast this week. Well, my best level answer is the most expensive shock land is like 14 bucks. The most expensive fetch land is 60 and the average price of both together, uh, the average price of all the fetch lands together, the average price is like 26, 26, 27 bucks. 20, probably lower than that. It's probably like 26. $26, I'll bet you for the fetch lands because you have one that's 60, you have one that's 42, you have one that's 31, and you have two that are less than 30. Then the rest of them that are the cons reprints, those range from about 12 to $18. So I think you're probably looking in the mid-20s, which means any really, aside aside from Verdant Catacombs and Scalding Tarn, you can get a set of modern fetches, four of, for just over 100 bucks. If you're clever, if you even if you just buy on TCG Player at the mid-price. If you buy played ones especially, you can get for $100 or less a play set of any of eight of the fetches, which is pretty darn impressive in my opinion. That's as cheap as modern's ever been. That's a good buy. The only one I probably wouldn't buy right now is Scalding Tarn at 60 bucks because why would you? Scalding Tarn's been... It's just been what it's been for a long time. I, I, I do think there's a chance it goes down some. Uh, another reprint, perhaps. Like we'll, we'll see. If you need Scalding Tarns now, buy them. But 60 is a slightly unreasonable price. Whereas, like I said, aside from Scalding Tarn and Verdant Catacombs, I think the fetches are all a buy. The shocks are absolutely a buy. We haven't seen a reprinting on the shocks in a long time, and Wizards, I don't think, has any incentive right now based on the price and the price history to go in and set those for a reprint. I think another reprint on those things tanks their value to a really, really bummer of a level, and I think Wizards knows that, so I believe that shocks right now are a perfectly good buy. I think they have nowhere to go but up for at least a few years. Um, Aside from those 10 cards, you know... I think something like a Tarmogoyf, a Snapcaster Mage, these kind of staple cards that when you do play them in a deck, you're going to play four of them, they feel like good buys, especially Tarmogoyf, because you can get a set of Goyfs for 200 bucks right now, and even though Goyf doesn't seem like it's that good and it's not a great time to play Goyf, $200 for four of this guy that used to cost $180 a pop seems like a pretty good moment. And based on rate, we're not going to see another creature printed as aggressive and good as Tarmogoyf for a very long time. So as long as Modern stays around, having four Goyfs is a good plan. 
Snapcaster Mage at 50, really, really good. This card could be 25 or 30 pretty easily, I think, because as good as it is, it was printed at rare in a set that, that only came out about six years ago. It's now seen two reprintings, one of which was a special reprinting. Uh, I, I have a feeling that, that Snapcaster Mage is kind of right in the middle. Liliana, just over 60. That seems perfectly fine. It's very powerful. It's played as a four of in multiple decks, and it's a unique card. So um, I probably would buy Lilies, but uh, they, maybe they'll go a little lower. Really what it comes down to, guys, is after the lands, after the shocks it fetches, it's kind of up to you. You can look at those those staple five or six cards, and you can make that decision yourself. Look at the price history. Look at the highest one of them's ever gotten. The reason I say Goyf is because Goyf's been that high. It could go back to that high. You could buy yourself four Goyfs right now, a card that now has seen a lot of reprintings. I mean, we've seen in every single Modern Masters set, as well, I believe, as Eternal Masters, we've seen reprintings of Goyf, which means... In the last four years, it's been reprinted four times. And, you know, there's <laughs> certainly a, a sense right now that Goyf is lower than ever because it's readily available and it's not as good. But all it takes for Goyf to get good again is graveyard hate to not be quite as prominent as it used to be. So um, that's what I would do if I were you guys. I, I would I would buy into shocks and fetches aside from that top, top fetch. And I would look at price history on these cards, Goyf being a great example. Um, even cards like Primeval Titan, you know, if you don't have your Primeval Titans, they're, they're $9 by prime times. It's just one of those things. There could be an A-class deck that comes out of nowhere that plays four of these that everyone's playing in the next six months. And all of a sudden, one of these cards' prices is going to double. So um, just look at the price histories, guys. That's the way to do it. You can find it on MTG Goldfish. Those are my quick thoughts. Listen to the full episode on Collective.Company where Alex and I share our full thoughts on the discussion, compare modern and standard, and talk about the strange release of Iconic Masters. Thanks for listening, guys. Favorite the station if you like what you're hearing and call in with your thoughts. What's happening, guys? Welcome back. It's 10 Minutes of Modern here on a Friday, coming at you with some fun ideas about magic cards. I just shared with you some thoughts about Steel of the Godhead and uh, what I think is sweet about that card. Um, looking at Steel of the Godhead, Geist of St. Traft, Spell Queller, uh, thinking about buying some of these cards because I don't have full sets of many of them, um, I started to think about magic prices. And uh, when you're buying a card, do you buy the foil or do you not buy the foil? Um, now this is a this is a, a conundrum that many of us in the magic community have dealt with for years and years and years and years and years because by and large the price of the foil is thirty to fifty percent more than or, or I'm sorry is fifty to a hundred percent more than the price of the regular. So depending on the card and depending on the rarity of the foil. So if you're dealing with like an older card where foils were way less prominent, like for instance a foil engineered explosives from Fifth Dawn is way more expensive uh, compared to a regular than, say, uh, a foil card from Dragons of Tarkir or something like that. So my point here is that when you're looking at the prices of cards and you're thinking about buying cards, what method should you use and why should you make that decision? Um, now, there's a methodology here that is not perfect, but it's an easy one to follow. And it's, it's a lesson learned after playing Magic for, for many years, buying a lot of cards and seeing those cards go up and go down in price. Alex on our podcast the other day mentioned something that is an absolute truth, which is Magic is not a game you should look to for significant financial return on your investment. It just isn't. Even if you're a genius investor and you feel like you understand it better than anyone, 
you, if you have that kind of knowledge of finance, you should be applying it to places with much higher rates of return. Because magic is a bubble, and there's only so much you can make. You know, you can get the incredible hit once or twice, but end of the day, you'll probably end up getting the other side of the stick sometimes. And and sometimes your giant hit is making five grand or ten grand, whereas that that kind of huge crazy return can be like an actual fortune making event if you're working in stocks or commodities or anything. So, point is. Don't look at it in terms of you should be identifying cards and going to buy them to spec because that's not a good way to be with magic. You just won't win that way. But a lot of us who buy our cards like to try to maintain value and think about our collections in terms of it's a, it's a, a running asset. I've had to sell cards before and I've had to, you know, I've gotten thousands of dollars back when I've done it to buy things that were important at the time. I would love to think that when I'm having to put a down payment on a house, if I have $10,000 in magic cards or something like that, that that would be helpful if I needed that money. You know, it's nice to think that a hobby can turn into that. So, long story short, when you're looking at magic card prices, buying the foil or not buying the foil is a really interesting decision to make. And I'll put I'll pose it to you this way. Um if the difference of the foil is $50 or $100, I'm going to buy the $50 card pretty much 100% of the time. Just because it's not worth it for me to play with money at that level, I don't need to spend the extra cash. If I'm talking about buying a card that's at a low, so take Spellqueller for instance right now. Spellqueller is like 5 bucks. At its height, it was 15 It's still an available card to be opened in booster packs that can be bought at stores, at regular price. Those packs haven't changed in price. But if I want to buy a Spellqueller foil, it's going to cost me like eight or nine bucks versus five bucks. However, if that card spikes in two years, my foil is going to be worth twice what my regular is going to be worth. That's what's going to happen. And the difference of three or four dollars on the front end investment is so much smarter for me to own that foil when it only costs me nine bucks versus five bucks when I know that the if the card spikes, I'm going to make so much more because I'm buying the card at a low. You can you can kind of apply the same thing to Geist of St. Traft. I was just looking at the price history. The card peaked somewhere in the mid-30s. It's about 10 bucks now. And the lowest that ever got to was 7 If you wanted to buy a Geist of St. Traft foil at the time that it was at its low, you probably were going to get it for like 11 bucks, 11 $12. That's a dollar more than it costs now. And it's at a third of its height. If Jeskai Control continues to dominate... You might be looking at Geist of St. Traft as a $22 card a few months from now. And that foil, again, is worth twice as much. So you got to pick your spots. If you're buying a card and it is truly at a low, and you feel like logically you can't understand why that card is so low, and you know it's going to go up at some point, it will rise back up because it's a good card, spend the extra couple bucks to buy the foil. Never buy the foil when you're buying the card at a height. It just isn't worth it. Your, your, Your asset will depreciate. It always happens. Um, that's my quick lesson for today, guys. I think it generally holds true, so I hope it's helpful. Thanks for listening to the station. Favorite if you like what you're hearing, and let's keep talking modern. Have a good one, guys.